Well, welcome everyone. We are grateful that you are here with us to worship with God's people, to worship in God's house, in God's temple. And uh, I hope, if you're visiting with us, you will... Uh, I hope you didn't make lunch plans, honestly. This is what I really hope. Because we have a lunch planned for you. Uh, if you're visiting, I hope you'll stay afterwards. We have a potluck and, uh, and join us in that. And of course, I hope uh, everybody in the congregation is going to be able to take part in that too. It's going to be good. So those of you who grew up going to church... Did your mom or your dad ever say, okay, we just don't say that in church? Have anybody ever tell you, that's just not something we say in church? Now, usually if it's something you're not supposed to say in church, probably not something you should say at all, but, but <laughs> you just don't say that in church. The book of Job is honestly a book in the Bible where Job says a bunch of stuff we're not supposed to say at church. I mean, he really does. Felt bad for Josh. He got up here and read that passage from Job. Taylor looked back at me and said, there weren't any amens. <laughs> it was kind of hard to amen that one. I'm sorry. It's nothing, nothing to do with you, man. There's a bunch of stuff you're not supposed to say in church. What's going on? Why is this book even in the Bible when it says the things that it says? Well, I don't know. I'm going to give you my idea. You're going to have to work it out on your own probably, but I'm going to tell you my best guess here as to why God has put this book in here, why it is testifying to us and what we're supposed to learn from it. When we come together in the church building, when we come together as the church, as we come together as God's temple on earth, we're coming together to get our lives together, <laughs> to get our faith together. What I want to hear from you is something that's going to make me stronger tomorrow. <laughs> you know? What I want to hear from you and what you want to hear from me is something that's going to give you strength to do the right thing and avoid the wrong thing this next week. We come together to get our lives together, to get our faith, you know, ready to go, primed for the battlefield, right? But you don't get to live your life always in that zone. And, and the book of Job is a testimony to the fact that certain events can happen in your life that will knock your faith way out of balance. And Job doesn't just give us intellectual knowledge. Yes, sometimes your faith can get knocked out of balance. Job explores what that feels like. 
for the person who has been knocked off balance in their faith. Job starts out, if you've got your study sheet, you can see it there. But if not, you can turn to Job chapter 3. You're going to have to have quick fingers today. We're going to go several places in Job, in your Bibles. But let's start in Job chapter 3, above where Josh read for us. Job's three friends have come. They've sat with him. And after this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. Let the day perish on which I was born. And the night that said, a man is conceived, let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Now, if you've got the study sheet, you see there's three little dots. And, and that's because Job goes on for a long time just how much he wished there had, he had never been born. He comes back to this theme multiple times in multiple speeches. I wish I had never been born. I wish now I could die. That's what he says here at the end. This is what we had read for us this morning. Why is life given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death that does not come? Job is testifying to what it feels like. When extreme suffering has knocked faith off balance. Extreme suffering can knock our faith off balance. And Job just can't take it. I mean, he really is, what he feels is far past the breaking point. I just want to die. I wish I'd never been born. That's what he's saying. We're not supposed to say that in church. That's right. Church is where we say things about when our faith is on balance. There's not a lot of passages from Job in our hymn books. You know? Because we say the things when our faith is, is working, when our faith is, is right, or at least what we aspire to our, for our faith to be, but we don't always live with our faith in balance. There are things that can knock our faith off. Extreme suffering is the most extreme case of that, but there are lots of things that can do that and make us feel like the ground has fallen out from under us. Like, I just don't know which way is up anymore. I don't know what I believe anymore. My faith is not working. And when my faith is not working, I'm not working. My life is not working. I just wish it was all over. I wish it had never happened. That's not fake. That's not, I mean, this is literature, but it's not just literature. This is a testimony to what this really feels like. And Job explores this. He's a very wise man. He's a very articulate man. And his friends pressure him, and he pressures back. And he says, I'm going to tell you what it's like to be going through what I'm going through. Turn over to Job chapter 21, if you can. Fast fingers, fast fingers. Job chapter 21. Job's friends had come to try and be a comfort to him. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, they've come 
because they heard about his calamity. <clears throat> Job and his three friends all believed that in God. We've already studied that in this sermon series. They know God's all-powerful. He's the creator. He's not like the little gods that some of the nations believe in. He's the creator of nature. He's the creator of everything. And they know he is righteous. And the faith that they, all four of these people hold is that God holds the wicked to account and upholds the righteous. So you may not see it right away, but the wicked have it coming and they'll get it. The righteous, you may not see it right away, but the righteous will, God will take care of them. That's the faith of these four people who are wise Gentiles. And several times in Job's speeches, this is just one of the dramatic speeches, Job just says, that's just not true. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe God really does mete out justice in the world. This is faith off balance talking, and it talks pretty loud. The, the, the doctrine, and it, it's the doctrine, if you read Proverbs, this is pretty much the standard doctrine of Proverbs. You do the right thing if you seek God, You'll be rewarded, things will go well. If you run away from God, then it may take a while, but eventually bad things are going to happen to you. And Job just says this, verse 7, Then why do the wicked live? Why do they reach old age and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their presence. Their descendants before their eyes, their houses are safe from fear. No rod of God is upon them. Their bulls breed without fear. Their cows calve and do not miscarry. They send out their little boys like a flock and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice at the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity and in peace they go down to the grave. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? Behold, Job says, is not their prosperity in their hand? He said, the counsel of the wicked is far from me. But how often is the lamp of the wicked put out? Their how often... Does their calamity come upon them? How often does God distribute pains in his anger? How often are they like straw before the wind and like chaff before the storm carries it away? You say, talking to his friends and to the, the doctrine he himself believes, you say, well, God stores up iniquity for their children. Let him pay it out to them that they may know it. Let their own eyes see their destruction and let them drink the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care if 
their houses after them when the number of their months is cut off. Will any teach God knowledge, seeing that he judges those on high? One dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure, his pails full of milk and the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. They lie down in the dust and the worms cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts and your schemes wrong me. For you say, where is the house of the prince? Where is the tent where the wicked lived? That's standard doctrine. The wicked are cut off. They're destroyed. Their houses fail. Only the righteous are upheld. Have you not asked those who travel the roads? Do you not accept their testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity? He's rescued in the day of wrath. Who, does, who declares his way to his face? Who repays him for what he has done? When he is carried to the grave, watch is kept over his tomb. The clods of the valley are sweet to him. We're talking about the evil one here. The evil person. All mankind follows after him and those who go before are innumerable. How then will you comfort me with your empty nothings? There's nothing left of your answers but falsehoods. You get what Job's saying? Everything I used to believe about the justice of God, I call into question. When my faith is off balance, it makes us feel like God doesn't care. It's one of the symptoms of having one of these horrible experiences that knocks our faith into the off-kilter mode, the off-balance mode, is I look around the universe and I say, I just don't think God is doing anything. He's disappointed me in this. I don't think he does anything. I don't think he cares for us at all. We say that. We sing songs like he does. When we're in church, we act like God cares. But he's I don't think he does. That's what Job's saying. He doesn't really believe this, I don't think. But right now, he can't figure out any other thing to say. And so he gives voice. And he says it over and over again. That may shock us. I mean, why is this in the Bible? It's in the Bible because it's in life. It's in human life. I don't want to admit this about myself, but I have these thoughts too sometimes when things go badly. You don't want to admit it about yourself, but you have these thoughts too when things go badly or when something else knocks your faith off kilter. It's in the Bible so you know you're not alone. <laughs> when that happens, God knows already what you're going through. Even when you're in the midst of saying God's at fault, God doesn't care. God does nothing. Job goes farther than saying God doesn't care. Job says God actively is my enemy. God hates me and is out to get me. Faith off balance sometimes says, God is my enemy. God has 
shot his arrows into me. God has taken away my life. Makes us imagine that God hates us. Look back at Job 16, look at verse 7. Surely, God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up, and, it's become a, and it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testified against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger, and he gnashes his teeth at me. And he goes on for quite some time. To say this is not just God being uncaring, which is one thing that sometimes happens when my faith is off balance. This goes further and says, God hates me specifically. God is out to get me specifically. Everything I hope for, the justice of God, the goodness of God, the care of God, the protection of God, when my faith is off balance, I have a hard time believing all of that. I know when we're in church, we're singing the songs of imbalance. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Job is saying, yeah, I don't feel that way right now. I think God's the one I need protection from right now. Why is this in the Bible? It's in the Bible because it's in our lives. When faith knocks you off balance, when life knocks your faith off balance, you may say some of these same things. I may say some of these same things. It's not like I'm supposed to. It's not like you're supposed to. It's just what happens. Because life is hard. And our faith gets rocked. And God wants us to know that you're not alone. One of the worst things when I've had these feelings, I'll just confess, one of the worst things, as I look around at all the other people in church singing, and I think, I guess I'm the only one that's ever had these thoughts. And maybe that's one reason God put Job in the Bible. I don't know. So at least I have his word telling me, no. When faith gets knocked off balance, these thoughts are not uncommon thoughts. To blame God, to be angry with God, to rail even at God. This happens when faith gets knocked off balance. Extreme suffering, other kinds of events can cause that. I think there's another reason why the book of Job is in the Bible too. I think it, 
It helps me understand what's happening to me if I go through one of these off-balance periods. I think it helps the rest of us understand what's happening to someone who's going through one of these periods. So we got Job. We got his three friends too. And we can watch what they do and watch what they say and we can kind of see did that work? Is that helping? What's the right way to deal with someone whose whose faith has been knocked off balance? Job doesn't think his friends are helping him much. One of he complains about them a lot actually. Turn over to Job 16. Well, you're in Job 16. Look at verse 2. I've heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters. All of you. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? I could speak like you if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you, shake my head at you. But instead, my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. That's what Job says. He says, you guys have come and everything you've said has just made things worse. It's not enough that I'm going through all this pain. I've lost my family. I've lost my wealth. I've lost my social standing. Now I've lost all my health and I'm racked with pain. And you guys come along. And the stuff you're saying is making it worse. What is it Job's three friends were saying? They were just saying mostly what the book of Proverbs says. They were saying what about two-thirds of the Psalms say. God's eye is on the wicked. He'll bring them into disaster. God will uphold the meek and lift them up. They're saying standard doctrine. When faith is in balance, that's what you say. Most of our songs, that's what they're about. God is just. God is good. God is going to take care of things. And they're just, they're just proclaiming him the, the correct doctrine as they understand it. And as actually he understands, he actually, there's one speech where he testifies to all of this. He says, yeah, I know. That's really true. Job's not consistent because that's what happens when you're off balance. Your, your brain just pops around. And they're just saying, Job, stop being off balance. Come back to the balance. You know, come back and say the orthodox things, Job. Come back and say the things that we're used to saying. Come back and say things. Well, honestly, I think what they're really saying is, come back and say things that will comfort us. If you'll come back and say the standard stuff, then we won't feel so awkward talking to you. We won't feel so uncomfortable hearing you say these other things. Come back and say what we say. 
And I think Job is incapable of that. It's part of, I can't will myself back into balance. It, it will come, but it takes a long time. And while you're off balance, stuff just comes out of your mouth. And Job says, you guys aren't helping. There's one, there's actually one period in the book of Job where his friends seem to be of some benefit to him. Job 2, verse 11. Job's three friends heard of all the evil that had come upon him. They each come from their own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Naamathite. They made an appointment together to show him sympathy and to comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they didn't recognize him. They raised their voices and they wept. They tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and no one spoke a word to him for they saw that his suffering was very great. I honestly think that those seven days were the best seven days that Job's friends gave him. As soon as they started talking, they started trying to force him to come back to where they were comfortable. And he couldn't come there because when you're off balance, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. But they're trying to get him back into the orthodox faith. It's interesting at the very end of the book of Job, there's this brief little moment. It's only three verses at the very end or towards the very end where God actually decides the debate. And he decides it for Job who said all this stuff you're not supposed to say. He says, Job was more right than you guys. Well, they were saying all the right stuff. I mean, they were saying all the orthodox stuff, but Job was more right because, well, we don't know why God says that exactly. That's part of the puzzle of the book of Job. But Job was testifying to what he was feeling as true in the moment of being off balance. How much smarter than us is God? How much bigger than us is God? How much grander is God's plan than what our brains can wrap around? So, the best faith that you and I are capable of always has room for growth and improvement. And oftentimes, the only way to get us to the next stage that God wants us to get to is to, for us to be broken up in this stage. For us to be off balance. For things to no longer fit. And that's my best understanding of why God says, I think Job was right. More right than you guys. What we learn from Job's three friends is that faith off balance needs a friendly presence. 
more than doctrinal instruction. You go and help somebody whose faith has been knocked off balance, especially when it's because of extreme suffering, because of illness, because of death, because of other kinds of grief. And you go to be a comfort to them. You may find them saying things that you're not supposed to say in church too. I've had that experience many times. I go to try and be a help. I don't think it's ever been useful for me in those circumstances to quote Romans 8, all things work together for good. You know, I, which is true, but not helpful in that moment. What has helped is just being there. Like Job's friends the first seven days before they started talking. The person who is suffering in your life right now, they really do need your presence. They really do. And you may hear them say things that are off balance. You may hear them say things that are way outside of anything that could possibly be true even, but and, and to be a comforter to them, you don't have to become off-balanced. You don't have to say, yeah, that's right, God's bad. I mean, you don't have to go with that. But you have to be there. Be a witness to their suffering. Share in it as a human. That's what people who are off-balance, people who are suffering, that's what they need from us. We're going to talk about Job one more time next week. One of the final lessons of Job is about the limitations of our faith, the limitations of our understanding. The best of us only get a glimpse of a shred of the greatness of God. And so our faith is always partial. We're always seeing, you know, like in a glass, very darkly, very murkily. That's all true. So God does not grant us perfect understanding all the time. That's just not his plan to let all of us figure all this out. Here's what God did grant us. God granted us each other. So that it, when I'm weak, you can be strong. When you're weak, I can be strong. When I'm suffering, you can give comfort. When you're suffering, I can give comfort. God gave us each other. This is what community is. This is what church is. That we bear each other's burdens. Even when faith is knocked way off center knocked way out of balance. It's still the faith of a brother or sister who needs us to be with them. God give us strength.
God, give us power to bless our brothers and sisters who are suffering. Let's pray. Dear God, we ask for that strength and power to be a blessing to those who are in suffering. God, we ask you not to lead us into periods of darkness, but God, if those happen, we pray that you will send us good comforters and you will lead us out the other side. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's gracious invitation in Jesus Christ, God who does love you and who sacrificed his son so you could live, if you need to respond to that invitation, if you need prayers from this gathered body of God's people, or if you today want to put on Jesus Christ in baptism, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.